You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Well, happy Sunday, guys. Aloha. Welcome. Good to be with you. Uh, if you haven't met me, my name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality Honolulu, and uh, just blessed to be able, as Sharon said, uh, just gather in this space, in this place. God, over um, just the last year or two, has provided this amazing space to uh, do church and serve and have community. And what's crazy is, uh, next Sunday is our Ohana Sunday. It's kind of the last barbecue hangout of summer. I know summer's crazy how it's already ending. But what's also special about next week, which you guys might trip out on, I'm tripping out, is next week is exactly one year, 52nd Sunday of meeting in this space. So one year back again meeting as a church, kind of, yeah, right? It's going to be pretty fun. So it's very celebratory and um, yeah, 52, this is the 51st Sunday. So 52nd Sunday of getting back kind of after that 15 months of being on video. So anyway, um, really stoked to be with you guys this morning and blessed and honored to teach the Word of God. Um, just a little recap before we get into our text today, but if you've been with us, you know that uh, this whole summer, June and July, we have been in a series called Summer in the Psalms. And specifically, we are walking through about eight different psalms. Uh, we started with Psalm 1. Next Sunday, we are finishing with Psalm 150. And we're going through eight different psalms. And each of these psalms are a different genre, um, whether it's a, a psalm of lament or of trust or of praise or of thanksgiving. And we're really just studying the book of Psalms. Uh, but specifically, we're trying to grow in the way in which we approach God in prayer. The book of Psalms, all 150 chapters, are either songs of worship or prayers. Uh, they're not narratives or they're not, um, you know, they're, they're, they're poetry. They're, they're prayers. They're songs that uh, are, are very honest and very raw and very real. And we've looked at that, looked at that the last seven or so weeks. And um, today we are looking at Psalm 136. And so if you have a Bible, um, love for you to turn with me to Psalm 136 so you can follow along. We have Bibles on a handful of tables if you do not have one. Um, it's yours to use as we study it today, as well as if you don't have a Bible, it's our gift to you. You can take it home, give it to somebody that you know um, that's in need. Don't worry, you're not stealing a Bible from church. We're giving it away. Um, but Psalm 136, I myself on the screens as well, am going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So again, it might be a bit different than your translation. But what I want to do is read all 26 verses and then pray. But what you will... Uh, Gather real quick, <laughs> just, just so that you don't think I'm like a broken record uh, or you're catching it wrong, is that every single verse is repeating something at the end of it. Uh, and so I'm going to be saying it over and over 26 times. That, that, is, that is a huge point. There's a purpose to that. But just so you understand real quick, just to kind of bring you into the setting this was originally written in, this was written as a corporate worship song. 
So again, depending on your you know, upbringing or depending on your experience with church, um, a lot of times in churches, there's kind of a call and response between a pastor or a worship leader and the congregation where, uh, you know, over the last thousands of years when the body of Christ has gathered, right, a lot of times there's a truth that's spoken about God and then the, the congregation would speak back um, a saying. And so this is exactly what's happening in Psalm 136 right now. So I just want us, as we read it, to kind of put ourselves in a corporate gathering as if this was a song being sung and uh, uh, kind of a give back call and response. So here it is, and we'll pray. Psalm 136, verse 1, starts there, says this. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then there's that phrase. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. To the sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. To the moon and stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. Who brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this specific part of your word that you have us in. And God, even hearing these truths and these reminders are already encouraging. But God, we do pray that you would speak to us through your word now, that we'd be able to draw out and be reminded of who you are and who we are in you and that you would continue to form us, that we'd be more like Jesus at the end of today than we were when we walked in this room. 
We want to learn more about the God that made the heavens, that hold the spans of the universe in his hand, that sent his son to die on the cross for us. We want to know you more. Not only do we want to fill our head with more knowledge, but we want our hearts to be transformed, but we also want to learn how to be a thankful, grateful people. That when we pray and approach you in prayer, that we wouldn't just only ask you things, but that we would approach you with thanksgiving and gratitude in our hearts despite our circumstances. And so, Lord, we just pray for your anointing, um, that I would be your mouthpiece. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so spoiler alert right off the bat. Like, I'm going to tell you, tell you the, whole, the whole story right here is what this psalm is all about. One commentator said it this way, that Psalm 136 echoes the primary theme of the entire book of Psalms. All 150 chapters is wrapped up in this one chapter, and he says it this way. He says, the, the, the point of Psalm 136, which actually is the whole point of the whole book, is that the Lord is the king who provides refuge and pursues people to know him. Let me say it again. The Lord is the king who provides refuge and pursues people to know him. And again, echo it does 26 times. Maybe your translation said something like, the merciful loving kindness of the Lord has no end. One of your translations said that. Mine said, his faithful love endures forever. But once again, there is this point, there is purpose in this repetition um, and, and what is, what is this psalm's purpose? What is it designed to do? What is the author? What is the worship leader? What is, what is, wh why is this here? Well, it's, the purpose is to move not only the author, but the audience reading it, us today, to deep gratitude to a God who never fails to fulfill his promises. And, right, most of us in here, if not, you know, most of us in here are, are not Jewish. We didn't grow up in Israel. Well, uh, we, we aren't, you know, we didn't live two, three, four thousand years ago when this story happened. And so for us, right, when we talk about the Red Sea and the wilderness and God saving Israel from Egypt, that's like a movie, Prince of Egypt, right? That's like what our kids are learning about, or it's a story, or it's something that happened, but I just want to like try to rope us into the story of Israel who this was originally written to. So the story of Israel being freed from Egypt is like Israel's salvation story of their whole people, their whole nation. And again, we're not going to fully get this because none of us have gone through this in this way. But for 400 years... God's people was in slavery in Egypt, okay? And then God miraculously saved a whole people group, two and a half million people out of this oppressive regime, miraculously crossed the Red Sea, right? Parted the Red Sea, they went across, then the Red Sea part, then closed. Then God led their people in the wilderness and provided their every need for 40 years, 
And then he carried them into the promised land. The country and the nation of Israel, the land flowing of milk and honey. The story that Psalm 136 is talking about is reminding this whole nation of their like salvation story. It's the story of their people and their history and how God did everything for them. And so again, I know for us, it can be lost. The potency can be lost on us because we're not the nation of Israel and we weren't in Egypt and our family and our generations and our grandparents weren't in slavery also. And right, we can, that can, the potency can be lost. But I just want to rope us into like the story of Israel, the story of one, uh, Psalm 136. But even though there's specific examples of Israel and what God did for Israel, the purpose for us today is not just to go, oh, we learned about Israel today in church and how they were saved and how God's faithful to them. But the point that we, the reason why we, God has preserved his word for us, the reason why we today read this is that we're reminded of who God is and that his character never changes. Bible's very clear, like in repetition, that our God, the God of the Bible that we're talking about today, there's no shadow in his turning. He's the same yesterday, today, and, uh, and forever. If he was faithful then, he's going to be faithful now. If provider then, provider now. Like we're, we're, again, we get Israel's examples, but the truth of who God is to his people is as true then as it's true now. That's where we're, that's where we're going. But again, the purpose today, the hope today is that we would become a more grateful people. This psalm, this, the theme of this psalm is a psalm of gratitude, of thanksgiving, Literally, it's in the category of thanksgiving psalms. Next week is going to be a psalm of praise, Psalm 150. But today is a psalm of thanksgiving. So number one point that I want to kind of take us through. I got five points today. Pretty short on each one. But number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Thankfulness and gratitude is rooted in who God is, what he has done, and who we are in him. That's where the people of God's gratitude should come out of. It's not, and I repeat, it's not meant to be based on our circumstances. That'll be a lesson that we all need to preach to ourselves to their dying day. We as a people, it's not only Christians, that's just humanity. We really struggle with being thankful when life isn't going well. We really struggle. And that is very true for the Christian alike. But the Christian's gratitude, the Christian's joy, the Christian's thankfulness is supposed to come from this. Regardless of circumstances. Like circumstances actually should have nothing to do with whether we're grateful and thankful for who God is and what he's done. But our thankfulness and our gratitude is actually rooted in the character of God, the attributes of God, what he has done, and who we are in him. Because the psalm I just read, what is the psalmist doing? Well, he's repeating the character of God, the goodness of God, what God did. He isn't saying, because you have a lot of money, you should be thankful. Right? Because you have the house that you wanted, you should be thankful. 
Oh, because you have the family you wanted or you're married or you have some kind of life, now you should be thankful. There's no mention of like temporal circumstances. But again, what we love to do, and I think we're really good at, unfortunately, is that when things are good, we become really grateful. Like when things are good, when life's good, we're so thankful. We're grateful. And we feel good, right? It's, we're blessed. We're thankful. And when we find ourselves even telling God how thankful we are, because life is good. But we're really easy. The opposite, when, when things aren't, we're like, woe is me. Like our whole attitude changes. And we may not like <laughs> vocalize that, but I think if we're honest, the, the, the pendulum of our gratitude and thankfulness is so anchored into circumstances. Um, it's probably got a little quiet because it's like probably really true. Right? Grass is always greener. I wish I had more. I'll be happy when. I'll be thankful if. But if we're honest, we really struggle with being a grateful, thankful people all the time. But again, I think as a people of God, we're actually supposed to be countercultural in this way, that even if the world is burning around us, which it is, right? Even if like everything's not going well temporarily, our gratitude and our thankfulness shouldn't be even rooted in that. It's not even what should determine it or not. It should be who God is and what he has done. So again, if we're going to do it, like, like that's point one, like one takeaway that I, I think the reason why the psalmist is like saying what he's saying is he's like reminding us that it's not about our circumstances, but again, it's about our God and who he is and his faithfulness. Number two is that we need to be constantly reminded of these truths. Like, um, and again, observe the text. Look at the repetition. I, I, I'm hard-pressed to find another chapter in Scripture that's this repetitive. That's this call and response, specifically about the character and the goodness of God. And again, why do you think the author does this? It's to, to really like, to, to beat this truth into us. Right? It's the same way where like, if you're studying for a test or you need to memorize something or you need to learn a subject, it's, it's repetition. It's going back. It's teaching it to others. It's talking about it a lot in different facets. It's repetition, repetition, repetition. So it comes, becomes second nature. And again, I think if we're honest, we're really prone to wander. doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been a Christian, if you grew up in church, if you're a pastor, it doesn't matter. We're so easily swayed by circumstances, so easily prone to wander, right? We turn from and we forget who God is and what he's done. And again, it's not just like a this generation thing. This is a human thing. Israel did it all the time. And it's what got them in the most trouble, actually. If you did a study of the Old Testament, you're like, Israel 
like God was with them. He gave them everything. He was, they were the nearest to him. How come they departed so many times? How, how come? It's because they failed to remember who God was and what he did for them. And over and over and over. If you read the Old Testament, they're being reminded, like, do not forget. Do not forget. And even God, like, parted the Red Sea. Like, if you, if you go back to the story of Exodus, read, like, Exodus 13, 14, 15. 12, 13, 14, 15. Those couple chapters, and you're like, how could Israel do this? God just saved them from 400 years of slavery. He miraculously parted a sea. Two and a half million people crossed it. He's providing for them in the wilderness. And like this much deep into the wilderness, they just start complaining. God, why have you left us? Why? And they like want to be back in slavery because again, they forget. They fail to recall who God is. They're so wrapped up in their circumstances that they throw God's character and God's goodness out the window. And again, I think that's why it's really good to, I mean, maybe I'm singing to the choir here, but that's why like coming to church once, reading your Bible once, knowing, like saying the prayer once, believing that truth once is honestly like so not good enough. (laughs) And what I mean by that is like, it doesn't matter who you are, how long you've been a Christian, like we daily and weekly, hourly (laughs) need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done. Because we're so like, we're so prone to wander. And I mean, that's just the Monday blues. Let's just be honest. Like Sunday, oh my gosh, God fed me. And then Monday, you're like, my life is horrible. Because again, we just like forget who God is and what he's done for us. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm really good also at allowing negative things to eclipse the good. Right? There's all these good things happening, but there's like one thing not. And you're like... See? It's all over. And you're like, what are you talking about? You're missing the big picture. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I think we can always look at what's wrong with anything. Rather than like rejoicing in all that God has done. Of course there's going to be stuff wrong. There's always things wrong. But I think for a lot of us, we're not good until that's dealt with. Or if that's fixed, then I'll be good. But if we're honest, that never truly comes because we're on this side of heaven. It's broken world. It's going to be incomplete. It's going to be imperfect. Am I speaking to my perfectionists in the room? <laughs> right? In, in other words, I think a lot of us, it's hard to be thankful and full of gratitude because we're constantly discouraged and bummed by that one thing. Again, it happen- there's no perfect time of life or like perfect possession that's going to fill the gratitude hole, right? Because, you know, it depends. Everybody's like, well, if I had that, if I had this, it's like, that's not, <laughs> sorry. It's not how it works. So again, I think that as a, as a people, not only is our thankfulness and gratitude rooted in who God is and what he's done, but we also need to be constantly reminded of it. Just like the psalmist is reminding us today. Number three. God is faithful when we're faithless. That'll preach. Because, uh, again, we can be overwhelmed with life. 
uh, so much that we get like paralyzed, right? Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed by whatever it is going on. May not be right now, but maybe it was like two years ago or maybe it's like in two years to come. But you'll be overwhelmed, right? And we all go through seasons of pain and heartbreak and confusion and loneliness and fear of the future. That, right? We're all either in it right now or we've been or we'll go. That, that's just a part of it, unfortunately. As much as we want to run and pretend like we can just avoid it, it's, it's not, that's not going to happen. But when that, when that does happen, when we, when we do feel weak, if we're also honest, kind of an honest Sunday, our prayer life can really waver. Because we just are like so overwhelmed that we don't even know how to pray or we're so discouraged or, I don't know, you know, I, I, th I think for me, I pray better when things are going well. Even though I wish it was like balanced and like all the time the same. Again, there are those times where we're just desperate for the Lord and we're praying. But I think that's why we need to like receive this model prayer as a reminder and a guide. Because what's the repetition here? That, that God's love faithfully endures. That regardless of how we're doing, God is the same. And that we should approach him, not if, because we're doing good, but because he's always good. He's faithful. His love endures. His mercy is everlasting. I think we need to be reminded of that. Like when we're weak, his strength is perfected. Like stuff, like, it, again, we're going to be overwhelmed and we're going to be in seasons of pain and heartbreak and confusion. But I think if we can take this as a model prayer, even when things aren't going well, let's be a people that consistently approaches God in prayer because he's faithful. Again, it's not about us. It's about him as we approach him in prayer. He's faithful even when we're faithless. Even if we come to him with doubts and struggles and heartbreak, he's good. He can handle it. Again, I hope that we've learned that with the Psalms. Like the Psalms teaches us that God wants our everything and our all. He doesn't want our polished prayer. He just wants us. And how does he want to meet us? With his mercy and his loving kindness and his love that is everlasting. That's how he wants to meet us in our brokenness and our doubts. Point four. Uh, I believe our control of our life eclipses God's goodness, or, or it can. See, it's not that God isn't good, because God is good all the time. Again, his character doesn't change. But, again, if we're honest, our worry, our anxiety, and our fear can fill our being and it honestly just doesn't leave room to allow God to be good. God is good. <laughs> that truth hasn't changed. But again, like when we like seize control of our life, because a lot of times when life isn't going good, we're like, I'm going to take control. Instead of like bringing it to prayer, immediately it's like, I just got to damage control. Pull, up, pull myself up by my bootstraps. Guys, you're type A in here? Yep. I'll, yep. You're like, yep, let's just get her done. 
Well, again, if that's just our first thing we do, again, God can use all these personality traits, but when it comes to him, if we're just quick to try to fix it, we are going to get so overwhelmed with our worry and anxiety and fear that it's going to honestly eclipse God being good and him being the provider and him and us just coming to him with all our stuff first and allowing him to show up. Because again, we're just going to be just running around trying to fix it. And God's like, hey, I'm here. Do you remember what I've done? Do you remember who I am? Let me take care of you. But again, many of us, that's a really vulnerable spot. Because you're like, no, no, no. What are you talking about? I'm going to, I'll take care of myself and then, then I'll come to you, God. But again, I think this is a reminder today to first and foremost come to God, surrender control, and say, God, you are good. I actually have no control, but you actually made the heavens and the earth and the sun and the moon, so I think you got this. Again, that's the point of the text, like being reminded of these big creation story things so that like the email we're stressed out about to send on Wednesday morning. Again, I don't know that. I'm just like throwing that example out. I didn't, no one told me about your email. But right, there's something coming this week or next that you're super worried about. Surrender that control to God and trust him. Doesn't mean you don't do anything. I'm just saying first and foremost, trust that he made the sun and the moon. He can like fix that. <clears throat> Lastly, our prayers need to be filled with us declaring and speaking these truths alongside our requests. Because I think a lot of us, right, we've learned prayer is, uh, I think we've wrongly learned that prayer is a one-way street. We, we have a list. We got the prayer list. It's not bad to have a prayer list, but we have a list and we like call God. And then we say, God, here's my 17 things. And we give him actually the ways to fix the things too. <laughs> Instead of just being like, hey, things are broken. You fix it, Lord. We're like, Lord, there's a problem. And this is how I have it fixed. And this is what I need you to do. Right? This is what we do. But again, that's not, that's not how prayer is meant to be. It's supposed to be a relationship. There's supposed to be time where we pause and just listen. But again, if we, I believe first and foremost, how we should approach God is out of thanksgiving. I think it's so good and right that we don't just open up our prayer life, whether that's like you in the car or you in the morning or you at the prayer meeting. It should always start with like a sense of gratitude. God, thank you for who you are and what you've done. And in light of who you are and what you've done, I am going to ask you these things because it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to ask us. But I do think there should be alongside our requests, there should be reminders of who God is and his character. Again, that's what the psalmist does here. He's balancing it. For example, um, you know, there's going to be things in your life that need fixing, right? That need restoration. As we're praying for whether that's a relationship or you name it, financial or job, you know, all the problems that you may have. When we're praying and, and asking God to fix these things, we have to like also recall who God is and what he's done. Again, this will increase our faith. 
It will make our prayers more frequent and more bold because instead of like us just throwing up a prayer and being like, I don't know, I prayed about it. Because, right, that's what we do. Pray once, one and done. What God wants us to do is like regularly recall who he is. And in light of who he is, we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking. Right? That's what Jesus said. How should we pray? Ask, seek, and knock. And those are, those are verbs. Meaning like keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking me. But again, do it in relationship to who he is and what he's done. So my hope and my prayer from all of that, as I just end, is that we as a people would regularly be reminded of who God is, that we're more aware that he's in control, that we'd be less consumed with our own control, but in turn, it would birth in us maybe a new sense of gratitude and thankfulness in each of our lives. And if you've been with us the last seven weeks, as I invite the worship team back up right now and we enter into a couple songs of worship, for these first two songs of worship, we have four songs, the first two songs, so half of our time, we spend time actually praying as a church. Again, we've done this all through the summer, and the hope and the desire is that we would just get more comfortable praying, that we would actually do what we've been taught. And... You know, you absolutely can turn to someone next to you and do this. But also, it might be better for you just to do this alone. And this is what I want to propose. I want us to spend two songs here. The first two songs. Either sharing with someone or just even writing down in your notes. But like, please don't text people. Just like, don't get distracted. But like... Write down the things that you're thankful for that God has done in your life. Like, well up thankfulness. I know you have a whole list of what's broken. Join the club. The requests are always going to be there. But let's just first and foremost try to stir up some gratitude and thankfulness. And again, it can be like, it doesn't have to be super specific, but I, I hope it would also. Like, God, thank you for giving me the job I have. Thank you that I live in Hawaii. Like, thank you that, you know, specifics. But also be, thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me hope. Like, I, I want us to spend like eight to, eight to ten minutes or whatever two songs is. Rem being reminded of all who God is and what he's done. And then the hope is, is that later on, when you take your request to God, that you do it alongside the list that you've created. So again, if you do it with someone, maybe you can like take notes as you share with the person next to you what you're thankful for. But it might be helpful just to do it alone. Up to you. No pressure. But let me pray for this time of kind of meditation and prayer and like thankfulness and, and all, all that we're going to do, these two songs, and um, allow God to move. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder of your word of why and what should bring us gratitude. God, each of us have stuff going on in our life that's painful or hard, but I pray that that wouldn't determine 
our gratitude and our thankfulness for who you are. We all admit that it's really easy to do that. And so, God, we just want to say, uh, change our hearts. Make us a gr more thankful and grateful people. Um, that, 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 that those things aren't based on our circumstances. And I just pray that this would be a really sweet time, Lord, that you would stir up uh, just reminders. You would remind us of like really neat answered prayers or things you've done in our life or ways in which you've spoken to us. We just pray this be a, a time where you remember and recall uh, all that you've done. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.